0: Welcome to That's Deep with Eden and Jess. Today we are reflecting on our conversation with Kathy Davis, teacher and studio owner at Yoga Elements in Menasha, Wisconsin, and she wanted to talk about the book The Power of Regret by Daniel H. Pink. <laughs> so, one of my one of my big takeaways from that conversation was um, when she had brought up that most people don't know what makes them happy. Um, which is probably why everybody has regrets because we have Mm -hmm. no idea what actually makes us happy. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was interesting, um,
1: yeah. Uh, got me thinking about the fundamental things that humans are bad at or that are difficult for, Mm -hmm. um, Finding happiness or understanding what happiness is. Yeah. Uh, it's a big one. Mm-hmm. And feels like a big one. Um, and even thinking about regret differently. Yeah. I think for yeah. me, um, as we had that conversation, um, bringing light to that's a, a common emotion and feeling. Mm-hmm. And one that is difficult to talk about and right. often not talked about. <laughs> But what happens when we do mm-hmm. um, and you and I talked about like being stuck in that moment or going back to that moment and beating yourself up about it mm-hmm. wishing it wasn't or thinking that you're cursed because of it or using that moment to live differently mm-hmm. and to practice differently based on that right. this is what I was feeling at that moment based on the decision and the circumstances and I'm going to do things differently next time I'm in that situation.
0: Yeah.
1: Hard to practice, I think, still. Right. Hard yeah. to name, hard to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, when you think about regret and your regrets, how do you think about it?
0: Um, so... Right, like one of the things that we that was brought up in the book is reframing regret as something that you can learn from. Mm-hmm. So taking, so for me, it's it's not about, and it it really was a reframe for for me because I'm a lot more like just move on or move forward, and um, getting yourself into a space or getting myself into a space where I'm okay to look at that and look at that thing whatever it is that I regret as not a reflection of who I am now right just like what you said as this is who I was but now how can I take that and use it in a way to move forward
1: Yeah.
0: Move forward with the regret rather than
1: suppressing it, not thinking about it, pushing it away, pushing it down. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot, I mean, it's easier said than done though, right? I mean, that's what makes it hard is the practice of it. Mm -hmm. Um, Reaching out to those uh, where you might have difficult relationships with Mm -hmm. is one that resonated with me Mm -hmm. that you talked
0: about. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm
1: yeah just go reach out just just go settle your differences otherwise mm-hmm. you'll regret that you didn't do it sooner or how okay. it makes you feel when you have a conversation with a friend or a loved one or a family member um, about a difficult experience or what you're feeling or mm-hmm. that you want to mend relationship or the thing that happened that's that's causing you not to engage in relationship or dialogue or communication right it's easy to say that how do Mm -hmm. you practice it yeah i don't know right like just do it yeah do it because you'll regret if you didn't do it when you're looking back on it you'll say oh i wish i would have mended this relationship sooner right or this person is gone now and i'm going to be living with that regret
0: right that was one of the one of the tools was looking at right anticipating the regret Mm -hmm. so looking at what it is that you maybe want to do that you're afraid to do and am i going to regret this later so thinking it through that way because one of the biggest um or rather um in in the book most people's regrets are around things that they didn't rather than things that they did do yeah. so getting comfortable with being bold and going into those spaces or going right like making those connections with people or doing the activity or do or taking whatever it is that that leap so that you don't regret it down the mm-hmm.
2: road
1: hmm
0: and that it's never too late.
1: Well, it's never or, too late until it's too late. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. That's the quote, right? Mm-hmm. The, um, the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. The next best time is now.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. Um, the power of relationships, it got me thinking about mm. um, how to reach out to people. The relationship aspect of it, again, it got me thinking about that.
0: And then being compassionate with yourself. That's huge. With within that feeling regret, right? So you're feeling the regret, but not staying in that place. Mm -hmm. And in order to not stay in that place, to practice Mm self-compassion, to forgive yourself,
1: essentially. That's yeah. hard to do, too. Yeah. Uh, the research is fascinating. The people love talking about this once you break down that barrier. Mm-hmm. That it's that he, he got so many vol- uh, voluntary respondents to the research that he was doing.
0: Yeah.
1: Break down the barrier and say, let's talk about these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, and also other humans have regrets in their life. Yeah. Oh, and they're similar to mine. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is something that I've been carrying or hiding or suppressing or not talking about. Yeah. And what happens when you talk about it? Uh, the therapeutic aspect to that, the mm-hmm. community aspect to that. And then to your point, the piece about what you're going to do about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, learned a ton and still have a ton to learn mm-hmm. and in thinking through in terms of what that practice looks like the regret circle uh, that Kathy uh, yeah. talked about
0: yeah um,
1: having people that you trust to talk about things that are difficult um, that's huge right that, ne- that network and that support piece of it
0: to take away that feeling that i'm the only one that has this right and also to offer to provide support and maybe to offer some opportunity for brainstorming about how to work through one's regrets.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Kat, I mean, we, we mostly talked about the book. Kathy did talk also about her journey, mm-hmm. um, some of her regrets, and um, her yoga life, her routine, and, and things like that, so... I was I was as a teacher myself in that space. I was really excited to get to talk to her and um, and kind of see what she was excited about in the in the moment yep. and um, hear her take on regret and her own life journey.
1: Check out Yoga Elements, too, by the mm-hmm. way. That's where we recorded. That was a studio that we were in. Uh, mm. First class is free. We talked a little bit about the offerings that she has, the different instructors and their classes and their specialties, uh, how important yoga is to mm-hmm. all of us. We talked a little bit about that.
0: Yeah.
1: How she regrets not starting sooner, mm-hmm. how, how she, we, she wished that she found it sooner, how right. we both wish
0: that we found it that sooner. That we found yeah. it
1: sooner as a regret as we think about it. Yeah. Um, certainly not for everybody, but. Um, the way that she has her classes and the different instructors and, and offers that up to go try it.
0: Mm-hmm. Just
1: to go try it and find something, find the right flavor that's right, that yeah. fits where you're at and what you're looking for.
0: Yeah.
1: And that aspect of it.
0: Yeah. And that's what she has built there and continues to to build in that space is offerings for all bodies. It's incredible. Yeah.
1: She believes strongly in it, yeah. too, based on, on how she learned it and how she was taught mm-hmm. and uh, the different types of clients that she serves as yeah. part of it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So thank you, Kathy, so much for sharing, and thank you all for listening and for watching. Thanks all. Welcome to That's Deep with Eden and Jess. Today we are speaking with Kathy Davis of Yoga Elements, mm-hmm. who is going to actually talk about regrets. So um, that'll be a fun <laughs>
2: <topic>. <laughs> Doesn't sound like a fun topic, it doesn't but it's sound, extremely interesting. No,
0: but it, yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting. I'm excited to talk about this book. This is not a book that you wrote, but it is was written by Daniel H. Pink. Um, So Kathy Kathy is a yoga teacher, really expert yogi, I would call you. (laughs) Master yogi of how
2: many years? I think I've been practicing probably since about 2005.
0: Yeah. Something like
2: that. So, yeah, so not until I was... A forty, so I guess a little bit later than many people start, but
0: and then teaching,
2: teaching probably starting in 2011, something you know, okay, a little sure. bit later than that, yeah. yeah. So awesome.
1: And how long have you owned the studio?
2: The studio we opened in 2016. Okay. Yeah. So um, when I moved, because I'm not from the Appleton area, so when I moved up here you know, was trying to find a place to practice. Mm -hmm. And my mother-in-law had seen a studio on the other side of town. So I went there for a little bit and I went to a yoga journal conference and ran into one of the teachers at Midwest Power Yoga, which is on the other side of town. And started talking to her and I went over to that studio and loved it and continued practicing there. And then at the same time, I was going for my, second part of my teacher training. And after I finished that, I started teaching there. And then Crystal, Debbie Williamson was the owner. Crystal became the owner after that. And then Crystal approached me about, you know, buying the studio from her or taking over because she had, you know, a young child and a full-time job. But I knew I was kind of in the similar boat. I had a full-time job. I didn't think it was something I could do on my own. So I said, well, why don't we partner? Yeah. You know, but let's start something new. So we moved it across town, changed the name, changed a little bit of the focus from a hot power studio to really more of a kind of well-rounded. I mean, that was yeah. kind of the, you know, the kind of the goal of mine was to, to do something a little bit, you know, more all-encompassing. I My background, I have a vinyasa teacher training, you know, background, but then I also did 500 hours of alignment, which is more from the Iyengar tradition and Mm -hmm. fell in love with that, which is where I mainly teach now. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to bring that really into the studio of the restorative even prenatal, you know, and that kind of came into the title a little bit of taking yoga elements. It's like Mm -hmm. there's so many elements to your practice and it's not always just the physical part either. It's the breathing. It's, you know, we've had different sound healings here, which I love and I want to continue Mm -hmm. to open up the space for other providers you know who offer something that's you know fits well with yoga but doesn't have to be traditionally the physical yeah. practice of yoga so that's a long answer to your question yeah, I love it. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: I, this is i so. found it a year and a half two years ago yeah. i found this studio and the staff that you have and the different classes that you have um, and the different times of classes yeah. and how available it is for someone coming in new that didn't know a ton that yeah. could try a bunch of different things with an incredible well, staff and instructors and what you have here yeah. is, is, is awesome
2: yeah thank you so crystal and i yeah started this and then um a few years back crystal um kind of stepped out of the management role yeah. so i've been doing it on my own since the end of 2020 but crystal still teaches and it's definitely still you know good resource for me when i have a question mm. or want to bounce something off of her so yeah it's been fun yeah it's been, i love it awesome <laughs> so, yeah. Great.
0: Um, so maybe we can talk about where it, it, so did you live in Milwaukee then? Cause that's where your regular yeah.
2: job is. Yeah. Right? So I, I'm from the, a suburb of Milwaukee and started practicing down there. And, and my first entry into yoga came through a woman. Her name is Rita and I met her through, I think it was through a health club that I had joined down there. And she started, we started doing private sessions with her, a friend of mine, Sherry, and I started doing private sessions with Rita. And it was more like movement. I mean, Rita was just amazing. Um, It was kind of movement, kind of Pilates. It was a lot of different things. And, And Rita had a dance background, so she really brought in a lot of really cool things. Then she kind of started getting more into yoga and then started to introduce that a little bit to Sherry and I. And so we started doing it, a lot of yoga with Rita, and then just, you know fell in love with that and sherry and i ended up going to new york in 2007 to do the jiva teacher training which is a, a month intensive
1: mm-hmm. so you
2: live in new york mm-hmm. for a month up at the omega center and i loved it because it was just a deep dive you know you're there for a month you're completely yeah. away from the rest of your life in fact there wasn't even good cell coverage there so when we wanted to call home it was funny because sherry and i were both engaged at the time to get married (laughs) and i remember my you know my husband now sean saying okay and her husband out, saying, well, don't come back, like all oh, weird, you know, after you've been <laughs> gone for a month, you know, some, yeah, some teacher training. So, But we'd have to climb up this mountain in the woods to get a cell signal late at night to try and call them because we would be busy from 7 in the morning until, like, 10 at night. Right. But I, I loved it.
1: Yeah. Um, you didn't come back weird. You no, know, I didn't yeah. come <laughs> back weird, obviously, because yeah. he still
2: married me. <laughs> Sherry still got married. and so, um but, and, and that was in 2007, I was still down in Milwaukee. It wasn't until Sean and I got married in 2008 that I moved up here, mm-hmm. um, but continued to work down in Milwaukee. So I was commuting down to Milwaukee for half of every week. And then I was doing my teacher, t- I did another teacher training down in Milwaukee because when I came home from this Muti training, Rita, Introduced us to a teacher in Milwaukee who was from the Anger. He was mm. from India, from the Angar tradition. She introduced us to him. Sherry and I started practicing with him, and then did another 500 hours in that style. Mm. Um, so I continued to do that even after I had moved up here until I was finished. So that I think I. I think the 500-hour I finally finished up in like 2015, maybe. Oh,
0: okay. So
2: I think the 200, his 200-hour I finished in 2011 and then the 500 in 2015, I think. So, yeah, and so then at that time, then when I moved up here, I started practicing up here. So, yeah, but I always had that connection down there just because I was down there half of the week for work and my family's there, so. 2015 is when I found,
0: started going to a studio. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So that's yeah. nice. Yeah, that's awesome. I yeah. think
1: people think that yoga instructors just are like born with it and they know it. So <laughs> oh, it's interesting no. to hear both no. of you no. have, didn't find it until. No. Yeah, yeah, even recently. Or yeah. Later in
2: and it was interesting because prior to that, I had taught just about anything. I mean, I started mm. teaching high impact aerobics. You know, I was a pop up girl in high school, so I just, that, <laughs> I just kind of, I loved that. Um, and so I started teaching high impact aerobics where you made the songs, you know, you made yeah. your little playlist and you made up your routines and you taught that and then um, slide came in. I taught slide for a while, sure. which is that thing you slid across, I taught spin, I taught step, I taught a, you know, a treadmill and, tr- and strength class. I mean, I've taught mm-hmm. just about everything along the way. And then when I found yoga at first it was, you know, it was hard for me, obviously, cause you're used to the, you know, more physical practice, mm-hmm. go, go, go. And all of a sudden it was like, oh my gosh, this is so slow. And <laughs> this is so, you know, but I started to almost think, okay, that's my workout for my head. You know, the other stuff mm-hmm. is what I do for my body. So that I kind of started mm-hmm. thinking it was more for my head, you know, but then actually, you know, found out how much just transformed you physically too, the more right. you got into it yeah. and, um, yeah, and I still do other things. I still like to swim and run and, and yeah. you know, walk and do other things outside. But, um, yeah, but this has definitely become a huge, huge part of my life. So,
0: What is a pop-up, girl? Pop-up?
2: Pom pom-pom pom pom-pom in pom-pom. high school, yeah, pom pom, <laughs> like you know the dance in the, the halftime. Yeah, yeah. It's like she's like, where did she go to school?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking pom, I was thinking yeah. pom's, but I was yeah. thinking like, is yeah. that the so like a dance that gets like, thrown no, no. in the air or
2: something? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of where that you know yeah. that kind of fell right into high impact aerobics. So nice. Yeah. So <laughs>
0: awesome.
2: Yeah, so I did, you know, found it when I you know, I was until 40. And, that, and and it's funny because now when we get into the book, that's one of the regrets that I always had was, oh, mm. my gosh, I wish I would have started it when I was in high oh school. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Or when I was 20, right? Yeah, yeah. You know? Yep. Yeah. But I didn't, you know? And it's like yeah. that's um, – but, yeah, so interesting. Well, did you
0: even know – I mean, I, I guess it was out there.
2: I, I didn't even know what, about
0: it. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know because no. I started with videos, like just yeah. – when Netflix had more like exercise type mm. uh, streaming, yeah, um, that's how I started. So I actually started with it as a f- as an alternative physical practice, okay, like yeah. just a different way to move my body, yeah. And that wasn't until I got into the studio that I kind of realized some of those more
2: um, mental health benefits, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. But it definitely yeah made me slow down, which yeah. was probably a good thing. Yeah, you know, for
0: me, you're <laughs> so. very active. Yeah. yes. So. Should we get into the sure, book? Sure, sure, yeah. yeah. So why was this uh, a topic that was of interest to you?
2: Um, well, I, I do think partly, you know, I'm you know, getting older, you know, I'm, so I'm 58. And um, although I don't feel old, and I don't think like, okay, I'm you know, on right. a decline. But you do start to just think about your life, you know, yeah. a little differently. And, and I just started to think, yeah, there are things in my life I regret. I regret mm-hmm. that I did. I regret that I didn't do. And when I saw this book, I was like, "Oh, hey, this is really interesting." And 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 not so much the first one, but you know how looking backward moves us forward. And I was like, "Well, yeah. that's certainly a way to maybe reframe it." You know. Yeah. And I hear my mom talking now. And so, mom, if you ever listen to this, I hope you're okay that I'm you know sharing this. But you know, there's a lot of things my mom regrets not mm-hmm. doing. Mm-hmm. You know. And it's like, well, mom, it's easy when you're now to look back and like. They call it in the book counterfactual. Like, I, we're really good at time traveling mm-hmm. and, like, redoing mm-hmm. things in a different storyline. You mm-hmm. know, humans are really good at that, mm-hmm. you know. Yep. Um, so, I, you know, I thought, well, this is a good way to just kind of start to look at this whole thought process. And, and one of the things, and it was interesting because the author of this book, Daniel Pink, I've actually heard him speak. He, um, oh. he came to one of our conferences for my, my day job, and I didn't like him at all. Hmm. Um, he was talking about one of his other books, and I just remember when he left, I was like, oh, I just you know, something just rubbed me the wrong way about him. So when I picked up this book, I thought it was a different author, and then when I got home, I'm like, oh, it's him. I hope he never listens to the podcast. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, yeah. But he might. He you know? But, but then I started reading the book, I'm like, oh, I really like it, and I liked how he came across in this book a little yeah. bit better, so he redeemed himself with me. But, um <laughs> But, you know, he kind of talks about in the beginning of the book how everybody's got this, these tattoos saying no regrets. You know, mm-hmm. people say live with no regrets. And he's kind of saying, well, that's just not right. I mean, regret is a very human emotion. And, you know, if we didn't, that's what makes us human. I mean, you, if you didn't feel regret, something would be kind of rising. The only people who don't feel regret are people who actually have brain injuries, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. or really young kids that haven't developed that yet. It's at around age six they start to get that feeling you know get that understanding so
1: it's a negative emotion oftentimes Mm -hmm. so yeah uh, some people might suppress it or not feel it and he's suggesting what if we did what if we named that
2: and what do we do with it yeah um and what he talks about too is you know he pulls in he pulls in so many different things which is interesting but he talks about um kind of feeling and thinking and doing Mm -hmm. and there was a, I'm pro- I have all my notes here, but I don't you know, think the person is important. But he talks about, uh, I think it was a psychologist who, who kind of came up with this, that thinking is for doing. Like the purpose of us even thinking as humans is not to just think, but it's to do something so that with I that. Something, so yeah. thinking is to do. Mm-hmm. And then he kind of brought something in front of it, said feeling is for thinking. Mm. So feeling is not just to feel the feels, right? I mean, because if we get too caught up in the feeling, like you said, that can be... Really negative. It just can make you really despondent. It's you know what you do with those feelings, right? So you don't want to ignore your feelings either. He said mm-hmm. that's you know the wrong approach. Is not ignore the feeling. That's just kind of being a little delusional, you know, mm-hmm. and and suppressing it. And or you know the thing is you just feel it. So then you get to feel it. He said. Well, no. The third option is feeling is for thinking. It's for starting to think about what this feeling is. Yeah. And why? And then and then the next step is taking that thinking and doing something about it. Mm-hmm. So he's kind of applying that to regrets, because regret is usually a feeling that we have. You know, it's like it's a negative feeling, it's a you know, whether it's something we did or didn't do. And so now thinking about it, thinking about that feeling, and then taking it into some kind of action is mm-hmm. kind of the point. He's saying, you know, regret just makes us human, but it can make us better, you know, it can move us forward. Yeah. And so thinking about the regrets, they, they do a big regret survey. They had thousands of people write in with things, different things that they regret. And the, the initial thing was to categorize them. And I think that's how I thought about it too. Like, you know, one of the things that I regret is, you know, I was married once before and not that I'm not trying to like, this is nothing negative about the person, but I regret being married the first time because mm. to me it's kind of like, it was all those years that were wasted, you know. Um, And would my life have been different? Would I have children now if I would have gone a different route? You know, so I can kind of rewrite that in my head. Um, So you think about that as a relationship regret, or people regret like maybe not asking somebody out that they thought they liked, or, you know, or maybe they regret like cheating on a spouse or things like that. So they kind of plop those all into relationship, and then they plop these all into education. Well, if I wish I would have went to school, or I wish I would have paid more attention in school. So that's how they first categorized it, but then he actually reframed all these. He looked a little deeper, and he calls it the deep structure of the regret. And he took all those regrets and he recategorized them. Mm -hmm. And the categories he came up with were either foundation regrets, boldness regrets, moral regrets, or connection regrets. Mm -hmm. And what I thought was really interesting as I've made my way through this book is that most of the regrets that I have all tend to fall in one category. Even though they have to do with different parts of my life, yeah. they all have to fall they all fall into the boldness category. Mm. You know? and, I, and I thought that's why this book really kind of um, just you know hit a chord with me. And it's like, well that's really interesting, because what does that kind of help me then, you know, not just dealing with each regret on its own, but kind of dealing a little bit more broader with my actions and how I view things. Right. So for example, like you know, regretting not being or regretting being married the first time, my, my regret really goes back to just not calling it off before it happened, you know, like, mm-hmm. and there was a few times before I was like, what am I doing, you know, like, mm-hmm. he had done something that, or, you know, a situation came up and, and I just did not have the guts to like s- say sure. this should not happen, you know, everybody thought, you know, we were all engaged, I told everybody, you know, you get going down that path and you just never, mm-hmm. you know. And so it's not really um, something, you know, not really a relationship regret. It's a boldness regret. Mm-hmm. And then another regret I have, and this may seem a little silly, but it's something that's really bugged me for a long time, is one day I was in festival and I was checking out, and I could tell the checker, the checker girl was, you know, a little new. She was younger, you know, a little quiet, a little new. And I had a guy in front of me checking out. And a little older a little scruffy looking and there was some mix up with the change or whatever and he was getting very frustrated and he was not nice to her at all and mm. he made this really loud comment about how dumb she was mm. and i just like i froze and i was like i was so mad at myself i left this that i didn't say anything right. you know that yeah. i didn't you know and I, I mean honestly like even after he left um I, you know, I just, I went home and it bugged me for weeks that I didn't say something. Mm-hmm. And I started thinking, like, well, why didn't I? Well, you know, I'm afraid to make a scene, you know, I'm afraid because i guy's going to get mad at me, you know. It's like, so it's just very interesting is I've gone through this book and thought about things in my life. A lot of them are either regretting that I, you know, didn't either, like, take this risk to either do something, you know, um, a little bit different. So either regretting something that I did that I didn't do different or regretting something more often than I didn't do, you yeah. know, because I didn't have, I didn't kind of have that, you know, I don't know, the boldness to like, right. so it's interesting. Cause I, yeah. you know, once he yeah. reframed these regrets into different buckets to notice how you kind of, what your pattern might be mm-hmm. too, you know? Mm-hmm. So. so
0: now kind of having at least a framework for understanding your patterns mm. in relationship to mm. regret mm. how do you think that is going to or has it already helped you to do
2: things differently now yeah I think it's helped me start to look at things a little differently yeah because he does one One whole part of this book is, is talking about anticipating regret you know so once you kind of like do a deep you know kind of like get through all yeah. this thing it's like okay well We've now analyzed all these regrets you already have, mm. you know, and, and and then he gives you steps on how to, you know, how to fix them. Yeah. Right now, some things you can't, you can't, I can't go back and rewrite that time. But I can. Right. Some of these things are just more of a future, um, and really just getting yourself to, like, slow down and think a little bit more mm-hmm. about, you know, before you make a dish and before you, know, you make a decision. Or he said, kind of think about when you're struggling with something to do or not do. Even, you know, taking yourself out in the future a little bit and looking back and saying, okay, am I going to regret this? You know, like being able to like time travel a little bit forward, mm-hmm. you know? And and so it's something that now I'm trying to bring in. I mean, anybody that knows me well, is no secret that I've been struggling for a while now what to do with my life going forward, yeah. you know, because I have a job down in Milwaukee that's almost full time and I've been running the studio and it's, you know it's kind of hard to juggle both of those so i've been really struggling with how do i want to do this going forward Mm -hmm. and this has really made me say okay in the past you've been regretting that you didn't like do something you didn't take that risk you didn't make that jump so now think about that as i'm evaluating what's going on right now you know and if if i look out in the future am i going to look back and regret not making a change now or am i going to regret making the change, you know, so it's, it just really has got me thinking a little bit differently Mm -hmm. about things and giving me another way to look at things, I would say, yeah, you know, instead of just in the moment, you know, gut feeling what's right or wrong, now Mm -hmm. it's going to make me just take a step back and say, "Mm, okay, you know, here's my, maybe my pattern of behavior in in the, in the past, you know, how do I want that to influence how I look at things going forward, so.
0: It sounds like it can make you actually a little bit more, um, or... That some of this can, one help people to pause a little bit, but mm-hmm. also to project and then plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and think a little
1: bit. Regrets are tough to talk about mm-hmm. for many yeah. people. Oh, uh, yeah. To, so I think even a framework to name mm-hmm. and think about and spend time are you sure with. You sure didn't read this book? I saw his talk on
2: it. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because does he talk about that? Yes, yeah. he does. And he, Well, actually, because one of the things he talks about um, to help people with this is a regret circle. So okay. it's like like a book club. Yeah. <laughs> but but you get a few people um, together that you really, really trust. Sure. And maybe two people talk about a regret and then kind of talk through steps, how they're, they're going to fix it. Because a lot of times it's things that maybe you can go back and fix, whether it's a connection, like a, a friend that you've like let the connection slip or something yeah. like that. Um, and, and he says people are really afraid. They're afraid to talk about negative, you know, negative emotions. But they found in studies that when you share, you know, failures or negative emotions, we're so worried that people are going to judge us. But but actually, what really happens is it tends to breed affinity versus trigger judgment. Mm-hmm. So and you know we're really bad at, <laughs> at anticipating how other people are going to feel. He's you know he mm-hmm. talks about that too. Humans are so bad at. You know, like, that's why we're so afraid to, like, give people compliments because we're afraid we're going to make that person uncomfortable. And it's like, no, you're probably going to make that person really happy. Mm -hmm. But we are just so bad at judging how someone's going to react, you know. And the same thing with sharing, you know. Um, You know, it's like you you share a failure, you share something negative, and more often, you know, you're going to make people connect with you a little bit more and not, you know, judge you. Um, So that, yeah, Yeah. so that's, you know, it kind of takes away a little bit of the, negativity of that you know and that it is a human it's a human emotion and everyone kind of does the same thing and one of the things he even talks about too and helping us to work through your regret is to um, kind of take it as a third, like be an observer, like kind of talk about yourself in the third person. And, mm. or look at you as if, you know, what would it be, if someone else did this, what advice would I give them or how would I look at it? Right. You yeah, know, I'm not the first yeah. person to get a divorce. I'm not the first person right. to like marry the wrong person, you know, and would I ever have negative feelings, about them? no, but you think everybody else, when I was going through it, it was like, oh my God, this is like the biggest failure of my life. You know, I screwed up mm-hmm. this marriage, um, but it, you know, you kind of really overestimate the negative right. reaction you're gonna yeah. get and, yeah. uh, and underestimate yeah. maybe the support that you're gonna get yeah. from something. So, but yeah, and he said even just a way to, you kind of normalize it, like write it down, you know? Yeah. Write it down, mm-hmm. talk about it, and mm-hmm. kind of distance yourself a little bit, normalize it, which then kind of neutralizes it a little bit. So maybe that takes away a little bit of the negative. Sting of it, you know, uh, makes it a little bit more objective. So, is
1: that therapy? Sort of. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, Yeah, kind of. Some
1: therapy aspect to it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. But I like that the book ultimately has a very positive. You know, it's talking about. You know, it can be negative emotions. It's. It's you know very positive that mm. you know, the regret can make you better.
1: That's the reframe know? I think. Yeah, on the, on it can make old. you
2: yep. it can give you hope. It can you know, mm. it can move you forward. Um so yeah, so it's a very good book. I would highly recommend it.
1: <laughs> a regret circle. Yeah, and yeah. I thought that was
2: interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I, really, I
0: really like that idea. I am often thinking about just circles in general mm. of of people just not necess- not specific to regret, although I love that idea, um, but just a trusted circle of people that mm-hmm. you can share some things with. Yeah. Um, it's such a powerful thing. I think there's, I'm sure I multiple quotes out there about how just speaking something can diminish its power almost, yeah. mm-hmm. right? Like fears are the same way when yeah sometimes when you're afraid of something and you just share what that is then it's like oh i guess that's not as scary or maybe it is still scary but now
2: you have maybe another person to kind of yeah
1: that's it yeah that's it i think and that's what he said so they've
2: done studies and even just like it was like 15 minutes a day or yeah of writing about a negative thing Mm. or talking about like even into like a tape recorder um Made a huge difference for people just mm. to kind of like, just re, you know, reduce that, you know, the fear in them or the negativity in them. It's just that talking about it with a negative experience.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, because it does kind of distance yourself a little bit from it. You can look at it a little bit more objectively. Yeah.
1: Regret yeah. works both ways too, though, right? And there's a balance. So, regret taking an action, mm-hmm. you can have that. Mm-hmm. And then you, you talked about regret not taking, taking action. action so i think there's yeah. like a, picturing just like a slider of that to say people are likely on one side of the fence or not depending on where they're at in life and their life decisions yeah. Yeah. so even just the three what when i traditionally thought about regret it was regret the things that i did yeah. do you have regrets yeah. for the things that you did but um, maybe thinking about it more holistically it is the regret of not, not doing anything. the inaction. Yeah, that eats at you. and no, what they I wish found, I would have done this sooner. Yeah, what right. they
2: found from this survey is, it's it's way heavily weighted on the re, more regret of the things you didn't do yeah. than the things mm. you did. Yeah, because yeah, um, because there's like. You know, you know what, like if it's regretting something you did, you know what you did and you know what happened. Right? You know the outcome. If you regret something that you didn't do, there's this vast... Yeah.
1: It just weighs the no what if, way. right? Yeah. All, <laughs> of, yeah, all yeah. the what
2: ifs. I mean, it's just a vast, you know, out there of like, wow, all the things that could have happened if I would have done that. Yeah. You know, like, okay, what if I would have started yoga at 18 or 20? Mm-hmm. Okay. What would have happened? Okay. You know, like, you know, I'm trying to think of like, what if I would have called off my first wedding? What would have, you know, what would have happened? No, I might not be married to Sean, so I'm not, you know, I don't necessarily want to. But, you know, (laughs) it's like, because when you, um, yeah, when you regret things you didn't do, there's, the possibilities are endless. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think that's, which more often people are, you know, regretting something they didn't do versus something they did. Yeah. So. Hmm.
0: Interesting. Okay, so where where do we go from here? Because <laughs> you talked about a lot of the the takeaways and tools from the book. Um, are there other things that you want to talk about from there um, like specific things or is it just like thought thought practices are kind of the tools
1: in
2: that year, yeah, away from yeah. The book. yeah, just yeah. I think yeah. mainly just kind of the thinking, you know, and reframing it, and that, I guess, not letting yourself, um, just fall down that rabbit hole, you know. If there are things in your life yeah. that you regret that you did, um, fix them. You know, if you can fix them, he talks right. about that. Like sometimes the door is closed, like if it's a person who's has passed away or mm-hmm. something like that. But oftentimes the door is open. You know, fix it, yeah. even though it might be awkward and you know whatever, fix it. You know. Yeah. Um, or, you know, but then the regrets of things maybe you didn't do is, you know, let it be a tool to move you forward. So don't Mm -hmm. just get so, you know, bogged down. Oh, I didn't do that. I did, you know, like, oh, I should have like, you know, gotten a college education and I didn't, you know, like
0: just people get, get in a spiral over those things. And yeah,
2: yeah, Yeah. I, whatever the thing is that you didn't do in your life, you know, it's like you can't let that just pull you down, like, use it as a tool to, you know. Yeah, yeah. Like, know. now what? Now what? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, they talk about the quote in um, that, the, the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. The second best time is today. It's today, yeah. I, I love that. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, like, I, I mean, I think about with yoga. Okay, I, you know, I didn't practice it when I was 20. Well, here you are. Here I am. Yep. You know, so all I can do is practice it for the next 20 years, you know. Yeah. So it's like, you can't let that can't let that stop you either from mm-hmm. from doing something now um, because there are still so many opportunities you know yeah for most of us and some of us I'm some of them obviously the doors closed but then you used it to be better next time
1: he talked so. a lot about relationships on the talk that I saw mm-hmm. uh, the regretting relationship so uh, that I waited too long to mend yes. a relationship right. or I didn't reach out or mm-hmm. uh, That was an important takeaway for me, too. I think that's what what the research said, that a lot of the time it was, um, I wish I had reached out to that friend or that that family member or settled the differences or had a conversation about it. Yeah. Um, The power of that.
2: Yeah. And and I've kind of thought about that, too, like, you know, a few people maybe in my life that I haven't been in contact with or friends that we used to be really close and we're not. It's Mm -hmm. like, what's stopping me from just calling that person Mm -hmm. or sending them a message? Because, you know, you don't want to lose that relationship. And, um, you know, my boss in my... You know, daytime job he's so good at that i mean mm-hmm. he reaches out to people all the time i mean he's got his friends from grade school i mean the man's almost 81 years old he's got his yeah. friends from grade school from high school that he just calls on a regular basis you know everyone smiles it's like oh i have to call this person i have to call this person and you know i've really come to respect that in him because he will not Die with any kind of regret yeah. of connection, regret. you know, because awesome. he kept those yeah. connections strong and he put effort into them, and mm-hmm. yeah. So that I wonder
0: if some of that is. Um, I'm sure part of it is probably upbringing. Like if you have that model to you, yeah. that your family is reaching out to people is. Yeah, I have a friend who. She's amazing at writing thank-you notes. Mm. Mm. In fact, we were on a drive, and she was literally... um, She was driving. Her husband was in the passenger seat, and she was dictating a thank-you note to (laughs) us who were (laughs) sitting in the back seat. (laughs) Wow, she's
2: really on top of it. She is.
0: Yeah, and that is something that I am working on. I'm working on it. I... Yeah, because I, I think it's so important. I, I know I have some people hanging out there mm. waiting for cards from me who I said, I'll get you a card.
2: Yeah. It will happen. <laughs> and my boss is the same way. He writes thank you notes all the time. Yeah. And he handwrites it's, them. Yeah. He doesn't I, just, I, you know, he handwrites them and send it. And the interesting thing is, too, is I don't. Think he had that model for him. His parents died when he was in high school.
0: Oh, okay.
2: Um, now he was mentored by an uncle, and I don't know, you sure. know, a lot of, but um, yeah, yeah. So he, but he was always just a very, very entrepreneurial. Not whether that, yeah, you know. But but that's you know, for me, it's been awesome to have that model because mm-hmm. you know, it could be a, a like a
0: relationship
2: built, like understanding the importance of relationship building, yeah, and because I see fasting. how people, yeah. you know, appreciate it, yeah, you know and just taking the you know the time to do it you know so i find myself like and research supports
0: gratitude Mm -hmm. the expression of gratitude not only in our um, you know for ourselves but toward others Mm -hmm. it's almost like it doubles the the dopamine in
2: us and the person that we're that we're thinking. expressing gratitude yeah. toward yeah yeah well you think about how you feel when someone thanks you for something yeah. that you did you know yeah. um, and and when you like this is almost the other way too. like even if a little time goes by you start to feel awkward like oh I didn't say thank you right away so now it's really awkward to go back and say thank you you know the person's still gonna they really still appreciate that thank yeah. you you know so it's like yeah we let ourselves get caught up in trying to you know project how someone's going to react yeah and you know that was just yeah. interesting when, yeah it was how bad we are at that we're mm-hmm. bad at projecting that we're bad at you know i read another book um by daniel gilbert um which i think was called the is it called the pursuit of happiness i can't remember the name of the book but that was another thing he said is that humans are so bad at predicting what's going to make them happy in the future yeah you know which is why you always commit to a million things down the road. And then the night before, you're like, I don't even want to do this. I
0: thought
2: like, this is going to make me happy, you know. We're so bad. You know, it's just funny how there's all these skills you think about that. We find out we're really bad at this yeah. stuff, just as humans in yeah. general, you know. Uh,
1: yeah, some, some not so simple true. things, no. but... but um things that you think we would be better at, yes. like like understanding what makes us happy and yeah, uh, yeah understanding how other people think yeah. or will react. I
2: think AI is going to really surpass the human brain when it comes to those <laughs> types of things. So the computer is going to be better at figuring out what's going to make them happy in yeah. the future. Well, that, right. Yeah, right. That's what social
1: media algorithms have figured yeah. out. Yeah. 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 So. Uh, you said there were four categories that he kind of yeah. reclassified these into. Okay, so
2: foundation yeah. was the first one. And foundation is anything that has to do with... Um, like, I wish I would've taken better care of my health. I wish I would've you know, paid more attention in school. I wish I would've saved more money when I was younger. It's all those kind of basic, kind of that build your foundation. Yeah. And then what he actually did too, is he took, um, he took those kind of those four deep structures and he said, what does it sound like? So for most of the foundation regrets, it's like, if only I'd done the work, if I'd only mm. done this, if I'd only saved my money, if I'd only gone to college, if I'd only exercised, if I'd only ate better. And the kind of the human need is stability, you know, is mm. kind of we're looking for that stability because sometimes if we haven't done those things, then oh, that yeah. part of our life is, you know, not stable at this point. Yeah. Um, oh, so. And then the boldness regret, um, kind of what it sounds like is, mm-hmm. if only I'd taken the risk you know and the human need is growth Mm. um and we Mm. do i think we you know you find that it's like you're kind of you don't do it because you kind of stay where it's safe and you but your need is growth which is why i regret it later it's like you know i'm just thinking about the the multiple
0: places that i see mm -hmm. about how discomfort is how um
2: Discomfort can garner growth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know that about myself that I am not good be, at confrontation. Boldness can be really yeah. uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I know that about myself. And um, so that wasn't any surprise when I started. To, um, and then, well, then one of the categories is moral. And that's yeah. like, if only I'd done the right thing. Um, mm-hmm. Now, the, the tricky thing you talk, I don't know if you talked about this at all on the top, but the tricky thing about this is that there's not really one good definition of. What's moral and what's not, right. yeah. and everybody has um, a little different definition. But he said it's anything that goes against your sense of mm. of right and wrong. Um, yeah. And the the human need is goodness. So it's anything that goes against my own goodness.
1: Am I a good person?
2: Yeah. Then I, I feel, feel that's a, a moral regret. Yeah. Like if yeah. I like I cheated, on, you know, if I cheated or if I lied or if I you know took something or you know, those are the things that would fall under that moral regret. And he said those. Um, he said they don't tend to there's not like when you categorize and that's the smallest category because a lot of those people will fix you know because that's something that would really if you've you know done some a lot of times they'll they'll kind of fix it on their own by mm-hmm. apologizing or something like mm-hmm. that or you know but uh, maybe not always but he said because that's some of it's really kind of what I should have done or what I ought to do, we tend to maybe fix those down the road sure. sooner than the other ones yeah. um, and then the other one was connection, so it was if only I'd reached out and that's kind of mm-hmm. like letting a friendship drift um, you know maybe I didn't regret spending enough time with my grandma or grandpa before they passed away or before this friend passed away or yeah. um, and then the hum- the human need there is love yeah. you know so so I just I just loved how he broke those down, what they sound like, kind of what they transmit to or translate to just as humans, so.
1: And it makes it safe to talk about Mm them. It makes it safer to talk about them. Yeah. Right? Once you understand that these are all human needs and things that everybody has that oftentimes go unaddressed. Yeah. uh, And then Mm -hmm. the positive flip or the reframe of, okay, so what are you going to do about it differently? Yeah. 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 Like
2: it. Yeah, just reach out to that friend. You know, if it's a connection regret, you know. Um, but yeah, it's just it's so interesting how people will let that go, and they'll just you know, it's just so easy to get caught up in your life, and you just you know, and then you'll sit back and say, oh man, I really regret that I didn't call that person uh-huh. ten years ago. Well, uh-huh. you know, there's no reason you can't call right now. <laughs> so yeah. So I just I, I really I mean I really did love how he how he took this and framed it and brought in so many different you know and he did talk a lot about self-compassion um Mm. you know in this too and is having compassion for yourself and he said it's different than um he said it's different than self-esteem you know Mm -hmm. kind of we think about self-esteem as like feeling good about ourselves and so he's like no that's that's not even, that's not right either. It's not self-esteem and it's not self-criticizing because we're all so good at criticizing ourselves, you know, and, and we kind of sometimes think that berating ourselves is motivational, you know, like, well, if I just keep telling myself, you know, how bad it was or, you know, that's gonna motivate me to, to fix it and do better. He said, no, that doesn't usually work. You know, it's the self-compassion. It's just, we treat ourselves so harshly, you know, when we do something wrong. It's just mm-hmm. like having a little bit of compassion for us as humans, you know, that we're gonna make mistakes and yeah. And he kinda of said that being imperfect is part of the human experience. Yeah. You know. So and you're yeah. not the only one. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's kinda of what the you know, what was nice about this book too. It's like, yeah, I'm not the only one that has those feelings about things that happened or didn't happen. And, mm. yes. But I like that too because that's and that's too something too that with even the yoga studio is trying to, to teach people to have compassion for themselves because so many people, you know, come to class and they beat themselves up because they're not flexible and I can't do this and you know, it's like that's not you know have your, give yourself a little bit of compassion you know, um, so you know hopefully this. Kind of my goal too is like hopefully this space can be a safe space for people to come and be, you know. Not that I need you to come to class and start talking about all your regrets, but I mean like,
1: but a, have put a place, circle, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah but can... just a
2: place where you can come and just you know, just be a little kind to yourself, yeah. you know, and show a little compassion for yourself. So yeah,
1: yeah,
2: I love that. Um, yeah, I think that's
0: the. Um, the big thing that you hear often in yoga communities, and it's not always modeled. I've definitely seen um, moments where it's, where like, maybe classes where things, where maybe not everyone is necessarily welcome and and that kind of thing. But um, I know for my practice and that's why I, um, when you and Crystal had reached out to me to teach here, I was like, I really love the space. I liked the teachers. Mm-hmm. I think everyone is really good. And we connected on the way mm-hmm. that, a, a lot on the way that we teach. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. even though you teach with more props, um, more Ashtanga and Iyengar style, well, you No, know, more Iyengar more style. More Iyengar style, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I still bring that kind of, and I think I didn't realize that it was Iyengar style because I was taught in the vinyasa yeah, tradition, yeah. but that vinyasa um, kind of bringing props in because I want people to feel that they're, that anybody is welcome into yeah. that space. Yeah. Um, and that's what I feel here, like you see all different bodies mm-hmm. in the yoga classes um, and yeah, that's you got support. you. You have yeah. It's it. I admire you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. And, and the, this and the space that you have created here. Um, let's talk more about yoga and okay. what. I mean, I guess. Well, maybe you haven't really got deep into this what did inspire you to become a
2: yoga teacher? I think just because I loved it so much and it made such a difference for me and um, that I wanted to, you know, share it with others, you Mm -hmm. know, is kind of partly, I mean, um, I mean, I love teaching all the other things that I taught too, you know, but I think this offered whole different, Thing for people you know mm-hmm. and when I started to see how it transformed you know physically how I, how I thought about things you know I think I, I do think about things differently yeah. than I used to and the, the way that it just like really puts you in touch with your body I think when I didn't do yoga and I would run or whatever you kind of almost distance yourself a little bit sometimes physically like I mm-hmm. I could just sit and I'd be thinking about other things I'd be listening to my book just running and running or, you know, walking or whatever. Well, when I'm in this yoga class, like, you can't escape it. (laughs) You are right there in your body. So it really made you, it made me, like, connect more, you know, with my body and think more about kind of how I moved. And so that was part of it, too. And and after I started to teach, and there's nothing so fulfilling as someone coming and telling you that it made a difference in their life, Mm -hmm. you know. Whether I, you know, I had one woman who came and told me, she's like, oh my gosh, she goes, now I can kneel, I can sit and kneel on the floor and play with my grandkids, you know, or I can kneel in church and not be in pain, you know, or I can do, you know, so that those are just very fulfilling. Like, you think you're making a difference, and I think I wanted to feel that I was doing something where you're, you're making a difference for people,
0: right?
2: you know, yeah, um, which is very, you know, it's fulfilling, and you know, you actually think it's not, I'm not just doing it for myself, or the money or anything like that, you know, it's like I'm right. doing it to, cause you can really help people make a difference. And now with the, um, you know, I did the training for the osteoporosis. So now it's like yeah. you can take this practice yes. and you can actually really help someone, hopefully make a positive step, you know, physically with something that's going on in their body. So I love that too. I love being able to take the yoga tradition take that practice, take that, and then actually apply it to something a little bit more concrete and, mm-hmm. and scientific, too. You know, that was, you know, very much of interest to me, so.
1: You said it changed the way you think. Mm-hmm. Can mm-hmm. you talk about that?
2: Yeah, I think, um, I do think it, it made me just be a little bit more accepting, um, of myself, mm-hmm. you know, I had to like because you do really get into parts where it's like, my hmm, body doesn't move that way, you know, <laughs> or I can't do that or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you and instead of just getting angry or whatever, it's like, okay, I have to accept that, you know, I may never be able to do that pose or whatever. And you know, so you kind of be able, you're a little bit more accepting of yourself. I think it did help me um, deal with other situations in my life too. Um, mm-hmm. I used to, you know, I mean, I still get stressed. It's not like, you know, it's turned me into some, you know, <laughs> right. big bliss body. But, you know, it's <laughs> like, you know, I mean, I used to really get, up, you know, I get really stressed and really yeah. upset about things. And yeah. I, and that does sometimes still happen. But I think a lot of times it just helps me just take a step back and just like, okay, just breathe. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, when you notice the difference that breath can make in your life, when you notice a difference that just sitting quiet for a little bit can make in your life, you know, it helps you you know, deal with things a little bit differently, too, mm-hmm. so, yeah. yeah, so just really, I mean, just even be subtle, you know, mm-hmm. differences, too, so.
1: I use it as a tool or technique that when I feel yeah. stress or anxiety coming in, that you can uh, take a step back out of yeah. the situation, in a deep breath, or right. a, a stretch, and then it's okay, yeah.
2: yeah, and you might go back in, and it's still a stressful situation, but maybe I'm not quite as on fire as I yep. was before, yep. you know, or, right. mm-hmm. You know, maybe I'm not going to lash out as, you know, maybe my tendency was before. I can just kind of step back a little bit, just, okay, you know.
0: It helps build that resilience so that you, because I think sometimes this idea of building resilience means like, you know, strong or powering Mm -hmm. through kind of thing, but really the way that yoga builds resilience is by that pause, is by that breath. I think there's such a... Can oftentimes be uh, breath, just breathing can be underestimated oh. how powerful it is. Yeah. Um, we could bring that book in
2: and do a whole podcast on right, yeah. that book. That book, Breath. <laughs> uh, yeah. Do that um, next. Yeah. Um, no, that was really, yeah. yeah. But it, it, and you don't really think about that until you really spend some time experimenting with it, you know? and experimenting with the breathing and noticing the difference and just being aware of the difference it makes in your body.
0: The breathing so. and mindful movement can make stress, make us make better use of
2: stress. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah. stress, you know, a little bit of stress is healthy. I mean, yeah. that's, you know, mm-hmm. been proven, you know, so, but it's when you can't turn it off Yeah, that becomes a problem. Yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, and just being, you know, just having a little softness, too, like even when, you know, thinking about like a pose, you know, like a lot of times when I'm teaching um, Vrikshasana, which is tree pose, you know, you're talking about being strong and tall, but, you know, you got to have a little bit of softness in the mm-hmm. body, right? You can't be so stick straight that if someone actually touches you, you're going to fall over, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like even in a practice that can be really strong and really powerful, there's got to be that You know that little bit of that softness. There's There's got to be that element to trees. Yeah, Yeah. there's got to be a little bit of that softness, a little bit of that ease. You -hmm. know, as well as being super strong. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know.
0: Yes. Talk about the community that you want to, or have, the community that you have built here in the studio, and where you want to see it. Flourish even more because I know we've we've talked about that off record a little bit. Um, So maybe you can talk about that a little bit more with yeah.
2: Well, I would just I would just love to have the community continue to grow. Yeah, you know, I would love to have you know even like kind of the older population. You know, feel that Mm. they can are comfortable to come and try yoga. Um, You know, people who. Just don't normally think that yoga is their thing. Just to yeah. give it a try. I just want it to be a place that feels safe and comfortable, and open that I can try something. Yeah, mm-hmm. I can try something new, and maybe I don't like it. I mean, maybe it's not my thing now mm-hmm. or ever. But you know, you want to have a place where it's you know open. And I yeah, I would just love to have the community grow because I think, like I said, when you have this um, you know group of people that you see every every week when you come, it just kind of breeds another support for people, too, for you know, sure. you know, if you get to know the group a little bit and they chit chat a little before class yeah. and after class. I just yeah. love that, you know, yeah. that it's not just a place you come and do your workout and leave. No, it's a come that, a place that you come and you really identify with a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, and you like the people that you're here with and you share this practice and you share the breathing and you share, you know, the things that you can't do, you're comfortable and then you're excited when you, you know, there's something that changes or you can do it. And, yeah. I, you know, so even though it's, I, we try, you know, you don't talk. We don't want to just focus on achievement or anything. You know, it still feels good when you get to a pose that you couldn't get to before, or you finally get in something. Or it's like, yes, you know, you want to be able to have a, a group that kind of shares, it. I love that because sometimes mm-hmm. in my wall class on Wednesday, you know, you'll, I'll hear that they'll be like, yay! you know, somebody, got into something they couldn't get into the week before, or they yeah. didn't feel comfortable the week before, and they got into it, and it's just this real, support, you know, because I love that. That was a, you know. Not so much the Diva Muti training, because that was just such a huge group, but um, the group that I did my, you know, 500 hours with down in Milwaukee, you know, we were really, it was a tight, you know, it became a really tight group because mm-hmm. we were together every other weekend yep. for like eight months, yep. you know. It was yep. a long, drawn-out Yeah, And I, I still love those people, and, you know, you really, so that's kind of the thing I want to be able to create a little bit more here too, yeah. you know. So, and just okay. continue to expand our offerings and, mm-hmm. you know.
1: So So it thrives. Yeah. What would you say to a a new yogi or someone that's on the fence of trying it or doesn't know a lot about it but is interested in it? Uh, What advice or resources would you you point them to?
2: Well, I would just, I mean, actually I'd help them find the right class to come to, right? So I would, you know, you'd want to... you know, make sure that they're not coming into a class where maybe it's going to be a little advanced for them. You know, like I want to find a class that they're going to come into. Yeah, they're not going to be able to do everything, but, you know, being able to give them things that they can do, like a class where they're going to be able to do some things. and just I I think it's just encouraging just to try it, you know. Your first class is free, which, you know, even if it wasn't. You know, if you paid for one class. If you don't like it, fine. You Mm -hmm. know, it's just like don't, you know, don't just discount it. I think that's just kind of having that open mind and just you coming back to regret, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. people Mm -hmm. tend to regret the things they don't do. So, you know, if you don't try, (laughs) it, you know, it's like, just try something new and, you know, just, you know, know, trust that, you know, the community is there to support you and, you know, hopefully it'll be something you like, but I know it won't be for everybody. And I, you know, understand that, but um, just really encourage people to just come and try it. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, every time you try something new, it's gonna be awkward, you know, it's gonna feel a little bit weird. I mean, that's how it is for anything, you Mm -hmm. know? And, but that's, I mean, it's good for your brain, it's good for your body, you know? Um, So, and having a little bit of a playful attitude toward it, you know, it's like, it's a very, you know, it's a serious practice with a lot of history, and I respect that completely. And I love that part about it. I love all the philosophy and all the history to yoga. But, but I also think it's important to come with a little bit of a kind of a playful, you know, exploration. And you know, there's a teacher that I practice with on Saturdays, Carrie Awurko, who came out of the Iyengar tradition, but she also has a dance background. And I absolutely love her classes because she brings that. And her that's what's called, it's called the playground. Her platform is called the playground because oh, yes. it's just like. It. Yeah yeah she plays with props and movement and sometimes she'll throw in a little dance and it's like i feel like a complete idiot dancing in my you know in my yoga room but but, you know it's just so you know i just love that because it just kind of gets you out of your you know head for a little bit and um so having that you know that little bit of a kind of a more exploratory playful attitude and that's just so healthy for us Mm. healthy for our brain you know that's when your brain is open to that Kind of the plasticity they talk mm-hmm. about, neuroplasticity, mm-hmm. it's in play that our brains can more easily shift. Mm-hmm. You know, we're kind of in this low stakes environment. You know, where we're just trying something and who knows how it's going to turn out. But mm-hmm. yeah, you know,
1: another so. thing that humans are bad at. Or adults are traditionally bad at. Right? Yeah.
2: And now there's a lot of books out there on play, and I think I, maybe I'm just becoming more aware of it because Carrie's been talking about it and had some people on that. You know. Um, That she references or that have given presentations on her playground that talk about play, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm. So, and how important it is as an adult to not lose that.
0: Yeah, it's huge. It's huge. I have a 30 second dance party button at home (laughs) 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 that I'll press every, Eden has witnessed this. I'll press that every once in a (laughs) while and just like everyone is supposed to dance. Yeah. Maybe it's, one it's day. Usually, it's usually just me.
2: Yeah, that's funny. Well, I think I mean, because Holly, my stepdaughter, lived with us for a while. <laughs> yeah, she told my husband, she's like, "Yeah, can be dancing in there." Yeah, you
1: know, like. So was <laughs> <laughs> like, "Yeah,
2: Holly told me you dance." In. And I'm like, "Well, you know, it's just for part of the
1: conversation. <laughs> <laughs> she teaches
2: us a little dance, puts on some music, and you go through it a bunch of times. And sometimes I get the steps, sometimes I don't. But yeah you know it's kind of funny (laughs) but it's fun yeah Yeah. so
0: it is that's awesome talk about your routine do you have do you keep kind of a regular routine i'm always interested in people's yeah, it's my a little bit routine too routine, is so poor. <laughs> so poor. Mm, mm,
1: Yeah, you can be the opposite. You can be have too much routine. Yeah, yeah. I, I
2: tend to be pretty like structured. Yeah, in my life, which is not always a really good thing. But okay. um, you well, know, you even with the way I talk. eat, I mean, I eat the same things for lunch on Monday and for. lunch It's like, you know, so I, so I do have takes... a very yeah a very structured routine. And my, and my husband will attest to it. And makes fun of me sometimes because mm-hmm. you know. Um, I am very routine, you know, but there's a
1: science to that and a yeah. reason for that. Yeah.
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just I don't have to I, want, I don't want to think about it. And, yeah. and this yes. maybe is something I picked up from my boss, too, because my boss is very much like that. I mean, he he you know likes to stay in the same hotel. He does a lot of things, he goes to the same place for lunch every day. Um, you know, and, and he made the comment once he's like, well, I don't, you know, I don't want to think about that stuff. Mm-hmm. Like if that stuff's just all the same, my, yes. my brain can go other places. I don't mm-hmm. have to plan what I'm going to have for dinner or lunch because mm-hmm. I know I'm going to always have the mm-hmm. same, you yeah. know, the same thing. And, um, but I have to be careful because I think I've sometimes fall into like too, too much of a routine like I won't mm-hmm. I won't give up that workout on that night or that walk or uh, that practice or whatever because you know something else comes up I'm like no I have to stick to my routine sure. I'm, you know afraid that if I get off my routine I don't know what's going to happen but <laughs> something is going <laughs> to go They're completely like, wrong the wheels
0: are gonna you know you're going to fall mm-hmm. off the bus yeah. so
2: yeah. um, but you know it's important to me that you know I get my personal practice in a couple times a week in addition okay. to all the classes that I'm teaching and I like to swim, so I try and swim once or twice a week, and I like to run, and I try not to run a whole lot, because I you know it's, but you know, getting out there once or twice a week, and when I'm down with my sister, we walk on Mondays when I'm down in Milwaukee, so, yeah. we, and we have our little route that we go. <laughs> so, yeah. But we do vary the route, so I, I am okay with that. <laughs> so, um, but, you know, we have to walk till we get to five miles, you know, we have to keep going past my mom's house and come back if we're you're not at five miles, you know. But, um, yeah, so I am very routine when it comes to things like that. So that's – I'm trying to maybe break out a little bit, you know. It makes sense, though, <laughs> because you do –
0: you have a long commute um, how how many times a week? from? Well, I'm just the... going
2: every other week now to Milwaukee.
0: Just every other yeah. week. Yeah, so okay. I go
2: down. I drive down. It's an hour and a half down, an hour and a half back. So I go down on Monday, and I come back on Wednesday Okay. on every other week now. It used okay. to be every week, but now it's every other week. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. So, But you have to kind of – I mean – you know, in my own defense, <laughs> you know, you have to kind of be kind of routine. When yeah. I'm like constantly packing and unpacking and yeah. packing and unpacking, I just, I, you know, I don't want to have to think too much about that stuff. So I, yeah. you know, kind of want to keep certain things the same so I don't have to think about that all the time. Yeah, that
0: makes so. sense. Hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> um... Hmm. We've talked off the record about being. Uh, now your husband, your current husband, has has kids. Yes. But so I like have two. Kids. Yeah, yeah. I have yeah. two step
2: kids. Yeah. yeah Twenty-five yeah. and twenty-three. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: So, and we've talked a little bit about kind of. And I don't know. Well, whatever. I already started going. Yeah. So. Okay. yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about being professional women without kids. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and what that feels like. Yeah. Um, in a community where there's, like, yeah. the, I hear uh, I hear a lot about, um, well, let me just talk about myself for a second, sorry. Um, but it'll come back to okay. you. Okay. Because I think we might, whatever, too, making too many assumptions, okay. So, I hear a lot about professional women with children and, right, like, the people that can kind of do it all. And they're like, they're in all these groups, they're working, they're volunteering, they're taking care of their kids and so on and so forth. And so I almost feel like keeping busy and doing things is sort of my way of showing, okay, I don't have kids, but look, I'm but I'm still, I'm still have my, claws in all of these yeah, areas, yeah. so I'm still like doing something for the community or in the world or whatever. Yeah. Um, so maybe you can talk about, maybe you're completely different from me in that way, but maybe you can talk about your thoughts or feelings um, on being a
2: professional woman woman without kids. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, I mean this might take it a little bit bigger, but I think um, over the years, you know, I've tried to not like judge people saying they're busy or not busy because mm. I found that, you know, if you talk to anybody, yeah. anybody everybody will say they're busy. They're yep. so busy, you know. And um, I think the tendency sometimes is like, well, how can you be that busy you don't have kids? Or how can you be that busy you don't have a full time job? Or how yeah. can you, you know what I mean? And it's yep. like, um I think that's
1: such a stigma it is there's such a stigma stigma. it's like
2: well what does that matter they have other things in their life that keep them busy you know I mean maybe they have dogs maybe they have volunteer opportunities maybe they have parents they have to take care of maybe you know so it's like I've really you know kind of learned to like not go down or try not to go down that rabbit hole because you know I mean, every, I have so many people in my life that have very, very different situations, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And they're all busy. It's like nobody's just sitting around doing nothing, <laughs> you know. So it's like, right. yeah, so I think you have to, you know. So I think when, the, when you say that, that those are the women that do it all, well, but there's probably things they aren't doing. Right. There has to be, you yeah. know, um, that maybe some of these other people are doing. And, you know, I think it's really... You know, you can't put a value on it, and it's hard, you know. And I think sometimes if people don't have the kids, they feel like, well, mine maybe isn't as valuable because it's not raising other human beings. Yeah. But that's who's, you know, like I think you you can't place a value judgment on that because Mm -hmm. other things that they're doing, you know, whether they're volunteering or supporting their parents or, you know, doing other things are just as valuable in a different sense, you know. So, yeah,
0: I like that.
2: I think it's important to, like, you know, kind of not try and make those judgments.
1: Don't compete on who's busy. Yeah, and why would you want to compete? Yeah, Yeah, I think oftentimes we do that. I think that's cultural, though. Yeah, it is. Yeah, we wear it as a badge of honor, how busy we are.
2: And what's interesting to me, though, too, is with all the emphasis on self-care, right? how, you know, why we're still talking about how (laughs) I'm so busy, and then people say that as almost like, you know that's a good thing. You there's know, like right.
1: guilt attached to self-care. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think there still
2: is. You yeah. yeah. know, yeah. it's it's such a. I mean, there's so much out there now. There's so much, you know, available, and you know how much is written about how important it is.
0: Maybe know. there's too many options. <laughs> maybe
2: yeah. And I think back, like when I, you know, to think back of like, you know, my mom, when she was my age, you know, like she wasn't like. I mean, doing self-care, you know, like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like, so I think nowadays it's much more accepted to go get a massage or to like, you know, take some time off or step back from your, you know, what you have going to take some time for yourself. Um, That wasn't always the case. Um. But 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 still I think they're you know, they're like yeah, I still think people think like, Oh, I'm so busy or like well, or people I talk about they sleep. I don't well, I only get I can't, you know, I have no time to sleep, I only get six hours of sleep a night. Yeah. Like and that's a good thing. You know, that's a bad thing. Yeah. You know? Um, that's affecting your, your health, you're affecting your productivity and you think you can get by with five hours of sleep, but you can't, you know. Mm-hmm. So most people can't. There are probably some people that can't, but um yeah, so I still think we tend to like um you know Take some of those things as like those are badges of honor to like right. you know be be super busy and not getting sleep and you We're know only
0: just starting to see that being questioned mm-hmm. I think more um, yeah. that it's actually okay and probably necessary and good to yeah. uh, not do yeah
2: I think it's I think <laughs> it's starting to shift yeah. yeah yeah I think it's starting to shift and that's important you know um, to take that time yeah.
1: No when you think about it is it you're asking or questioning whether or not you're doing enough
0: for me yeah 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 so it's a it's very much a personal like it kind of like myself judging my own value in the world and in community yeah. and how much more valuable i can be mm-hmm. is, since i right like don't have kids so then like okay now where do i put where do i shift that oh right yeah um so that's kind of where i'm coming from with that yeah um but yeah i do think that busyness um what i've been trying to say and i've heard a lot of people really appreciate this this reframing of it is that i have is that my life is her um full schedule full but flexible mm-hmm. that my schedule is mm-hmm. full but flexible so really tried to eliminate busy from my vocabulary yeah because when i hear people say it back that's
1: like, a really oh, good thing oh you're so
0: you're so busy like yeah. it i'm like because usually people are saying that to me because they want something from me but yeah they're afraid to ask and I don't want people to be afraid to ask yeah yeah. because I will make time for important things I'm telling I tell family that all the time yeah, yeah <laughs> like yeah. I will make no time that's for important
2: yeah and that's true because I you know I think that's good to, to try and shy away from that word too because yeah. I I mean I'll say it but I'm just I feel so busy I'm so busy you know it's yeah. like well yeah if you really didn't want to be busy you could not be busy yes. right yep. you could you could cut out a lot of things that you've put into your own schedule yeah. if you really and everybody could you know what yeah. i mean so it's like
0: it kind of goes back to that happiness yeah. thing we yeah. think that oh if we fill our time up with all of this, this activity that will make us happy but je- yeah it
2: doesn't it does not, doesn't doesn't yeah. always yeah because then you get to the point where i can barely even just sit down Without feeling like guilty, yeah. like I should be working on my computer, I should be reading at the same time that I'm in the living room with Sean watching a movie. You know, it's like, well. So, do you feel like you do
0: well with self-care or with no, like taking? No, yeah, okay. I don't. Yeah, I don't.
2: Yeah. I mean, my yoga, Most yoga is protractor still, which is the. Yeah, my yoga <laughs> is, is my quality, right? right? Yeah. It is. Yeah. Yeah. It really yeah. is. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the fact that I make time for my own home practice. And that's rare. I know, but <laughs> that's super un- important to me, and I kind of feel like that's my—that's a little bit of my self-care. I, yeah. I, I, I try and get in at least, you know, I try and get it two times a week, where it's just nobody else, just me in my room, and you know,
0: we practicing need to start so. a community of yoga teachers that, um, so that almost is like a, like cheerleaders for taking care of themselves, yeah. like. Yeah. Hey, I got eight hours of sleep. And then
2: everybody's like,
0: Yay, good for yeah, you. Yeah.
2: Right? Although I am doing better on my sleep because I, I think ever since reading that that book about why we sleep by Matthew Walker yeah, yeah, and how a, important sleep is. Oh my gosh. And you start to realize what happens to your body when you don't sleep. Yeah. Um, I've been much more aware of how I sleep. And so I got my aura ring that I asked Sean to give me for Christmas so I can you know between this and my garment i'm really tracking like okay how many hours am i sleeping how many hours am i in bed how many you know so without trying to get too geeky about it you know just to yeah. keep an eye on it um yeah. because once you realize how important it is it's like okay i better you know make mm-hmm. time for that yeah so
1: do you have a key takeaway from that that book or that research hmm I mean, just just understanding think, the brain science of it. Yeah I, just, of it. Yeah.
2: yeah, I just think, yeah, just really thinking about how all the things that happen while you're sleeping, mm-hmm. you know, was, you know, that was really crucial. You know, I started to really, when I started to talk about all those things that, you know, happen while you sleep and, and what the different parts of your sleep are for, you know. Yeah. Some is for memory, some is for helping you mm. to process emotions and mm. creativity and things like that. And it's like, gosh, if you don't get that. You know? Then you're, yeah. Yeah. So, and you know, there is, and he even talked about it too, you know, how it's kind of a badge of honor to the people that say, oh, I only need two hours of sleep a night. Oh. And they said, well, right. they've all these studies they've done, very, very, very small percentage of people don't need the seven to nine hours a night, you know? Mm. Um, because it does affect different parts, you know, different things in their health and productivity and things like that, so.
1: When I yeah. first started practicing yoga, the night of sleep after I practiced was, oh, was completely. I mean, that was yeah. one of the first benefits that I realized was that I knew I, I had a good yoga session. Yeah. When that's when you really could sleep. Sleep. Yeah. Get to bed, it's have a full night's sleep. So, those are connected to yeah. yoga and yeah. Sleep. Mm-hmm. yeah. So,
2: yes. But yeah, I think we could all be better with like giving ourselves permission to get a massage or to, you know. <laughs> take an afternoon off and just mm-hmm. absolutely do nothing. You know? So. <laughs> Good. Anything else? Awesome yeah, yeah,
1: anything thanks else? for being on.
2: So, oh, you're very
0: welcome. Yeah, thank you so much.
2: Hopefully, I provide a little bit of insight onto something.
1: Uh, I think you
0: provided a lot of, so, of insight. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll
1: yeah. keep an eye on the yoga elements uh, schedule for our first regret circle. Yes, for our first yeah. regret
2: circle. <laughs> yeah. So,
1: all right. Well, thank you guys so much. Awesome. Thank
2: you. Thanks.